Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. John chapter number 3, we took a look at it last week, and we saw how that Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus, and, and he began to show him some spiritual things and began to show him about salvation, began to show him about how that he would be lifted up and that how he was the savior of the world and that everybody needs to be born again. That was chapter number three. At the end of chapter number three, we see these words that are, uh, reflect some of the earlier verses. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him, or abideth on him. We see that the emphasis, of course, of the life of Jesus is on life and death. Jesus came so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And we see here in chapter number four, we see that Jesus is going to make a transition. He's there in Judea. He's there in kind of the Jerusalem area, kind of the city, uh, the, the county or the state, if you will, of where Jerusalem is. He's there in Judea. His uh, disciples are baptizing. Things are going well in ministry, right? They're going so well, in fact, that they are being more uh, uh, baptized by Jesus' disciples than by John the Baptist. So if you will, his ministry has eclipsed that, at least in the eyes of men, the ministry of John the Baptist. Well, the Pharisees began to take notice, and Jesus saw that, and he said, all right, it's time to move on. And so he's going from Jerusalem up to Galilee. Now, in between Jerusalem and Galilee is an area there in the middle called Samaria, and the Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria. It's a a necessary pit stop for him. I remember when I moved from New Jersey to California about five years ago, I remember that when we were making our plans that we were basically just thinking, well, we have a certain deadline. We just got to get there. We just got to get from New Jersey to LA and we just got to, we just got to make it there. And so what's the first thing you do? You go to Google maps, (laughs) you type in your starting address, you type in your ending address and you just find whatever path it is that it gives you. And for the most part, we weren't so concerned with where we were going to be, where we were going to stop. Of course, we wanted to make sure that we kind of stopped in like some more major cities and things like that, wanted to make sure we're on some major highways. But there was one place that we needed to make sure that we stopped at, and it's in Kentucky. We went to a place in Kentucky in the city of Williamstown, Kentucky, okay? Now, I had never been to Kentucky before, and I don't know if I'll ever be back to Kentucky, so we made sure that we were going to stop in Kentucky this time in a city about 30 minutes south of Cincinnati. In Williamstown was a replica of Noah's Ark. And so we thought, hey, this Noah's Ark that we'd heard about that, you know, who knows whether it looked exactly like it, there's some scale there that we thought this will be fun, this will be interesting, and who knows when we'll get the chance. So out of this four and a half, five day trip, we made sure that we made one stop. We drove from New Jersey all the way down to Cincinnati. We spent the night there in the morning. We went down there. We went over there, got some pictures, saw inside. It was great. It was a lot of fun, very interesting uh, to just kind of think about what the Bible says and consider, wow, this is what Noah and his three sons built. You could understand why it took so many years for him to build that. Afterwards, we just kind of made a beeline uh, here to L.A. because we had a little child, and uh, our little child figured out after a while, "Uh uh-oh, if I go in this car seat, I'm not leaving for a very long time. (laughs) And so the crying was getting louder and louder and longer and longer. So we're like, all right, let's just get there as quickly as as we can. And that was our goal. But, But we made sure that we made this one stop. That's kind of how I see Jesus. Jesus, if you remember, in that distance between Jerusalem and Galilee, or maybe if he's going to Nazareth, it's a three to four day journey. It's a long journey. It's, it's, it's a many day journey. Jesus is on his way there. And of course, it's easy when you're traveling to just be like, all right, can we get there finally, right? If you have kids traveling with you, what's their question, right? You're still in the driveway and the question comes out, are we there yet? Okay, no, we are still in the driveway. We haven't even left yet, you know? And, you know, the, the question, are we there yet? Well, even more so when we drive today, you know, we've got air conditioning, we've got snacks, we've got, you know, we've got iPads, you know, you, you have all of these things that you might need all along the way. When Jesus and the disciples and people traveled, they were walking. 
in the hot sun, it's dusty, it's dry, you know, that, that's how they were traveling. So you can imagine that they would be, all right, let's, let's get to our destination, let's get home, is really what, what's going on. But Jesus here makes sure to make a pit stop here in the city of Sychar. He makes sure to stop in Samaria. He makes sure to stop not to see some sight, but in order to win a soul. Our theme this year revolves around this idea of all things working together for good. To them that love God, to them were the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. The goal of our God, after saving us, is to mold us so that we might be more like Jesus. One of the things that we know for sure about Jesus was, Jesus was a soul winner. Jesus was out to win souls. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he called his disciples, when he called at least Peter, Andrew, James, and John, when he called those fishermen, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like the Lord. And becoming more like the Lord means becoming a fisher of men. So this morning, I want to take a look at what does a soul winner look like, right? You ever see a professional athlete? You look at him, and you're like, oh, that guy looks like an athlete. I'm going to just look at him. You know, you could tell. Or, you know, you could kind of tell based on, oh, this guy looks like this. He must be, you know, an athlete, or he must be a doctor or something. You might be able to tell some of these things. When we look at Jesus, one of the character traits that we can and should see is that he was a soul winner. So I want to see what Jesus did here in chapter number four that exemplifies what Jesus, the soul winner, did. First of all, we see that Jesus planned his course. We see that he planned his course. Jesus, of course, as I mentioned, was in Judea. He's going up to Galilee. His ministry is going well. He's discipling many individuals. Things are, are, he's, he has his disciples there. He's baptizing many individuals. Verse number one, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. He has his beginning point there in Judea. His end point there is in Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now, you have to know that there's a number of different ways to get from Judea to Galilee, right? Just like if you're getting anywhere here, you're starting at your place and you're going some other place and you type it into your Maps app, you're going to get a couple of different options, right? You might get the fastest option. You might get the one that takes the less, you know, the, the, the most direct routes, you know, even though you might hit some traffic or something. You know, you have a couple of different options to get from here to there. Well, it would have been the same for Jesus going from Judea to Galilee. There would have been a number of different paths for him to go through, one of them would be, let's just go straight. Let's just go straight from Judea up to Galilee, and that's the path that we're going to take. Another common path, though, was not to go through Samaria, but to go around it. One of the reasons would be that they despised the Samaritans, and so they didn't even want to go near them. They didn't want to even go in the area. They didn't want to eat any of their food. They didn't want to drink any of their water. They didn't want any of the dust of Samaria to pollute them. They, didn't, they wanted nothing to do with them, so they would have gone around. Jesus had this option. It would have been an option that people would have taken at the time, and yet we know that the Bible says that he must needs go through Samaria which tells me that soul winning must be purposeful. Soul winning is purposeful. We have to choose and determine to go out fishing. I've been here for about five years, a little bit over five years, and I've seen people out on the piers fishing. 
You know, you see those guys, they got the pole, sometimes they just lay it and they're leaning over, or sometimes they're, you know, trying to catch fish. Sometimes you see that they've caught some fish and it's sitting there in a bucket. I've seen fishermen, I've heard about people here who've gone fishing. I've heard about, you know, going out into the ocean and doing deep sea fishing. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'd like to go do that. I'd like to do all of these things. In my five years here, though, I have never caught a single fish. Not a single one, not even a tiny one. You know why? I've never been fishing. <laughs> so no surprise, if I've never been fishing, guess what? I've never caught any fish. Well, Jesus here purposefully goes out in order to catch some fish, if you will. He's going out in order to win some souls. And if we are going to be more like Christ, we've got to make sure our obligations and our options are correct. Sometimes we can make our obligations optional, and sometimes we can make things that are optional our obligations. And we've got to make sure that if we're going to be more like Jesus Christ, what God says, these are things that you must do, those fall into the I must do them category. And those things that are optional, we can leave off to the side. Amen? What the Bible says and makes clear is that we must be soul winners. We must be soul winners. We must have the attitude and idea that soul winning is not optional, it's mandatory. That's what Jesus' uh, uh, mentality was. His mentality was, I must needs go through Samaria. I must reach this individual. I must give the gospel to her. She must be saved. That was his attitude. Soul winning is not optional. We also see that soul winners are prepared in verse number five. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. We know that Jesus is God, and Jesus being God, he knows all things. We know that Jesus knew what was in man. Jesus could perceive the thoughts of individuals. He knew everything. And Jesus knew that this Samaritan woman would show up at the well at about noon. We, we know that Jesus knew all of these things. He could plan all of these things out. Jesus could time his visit exactly at the right time so that he would be in the right time at the right place. But Jesus is God. He knows all things. He knows things that I don't know. Jesus knew that. But we don't know these things. We don't know when the woman is going to show up at the well. We don't know who's going to come across our path. We don't know the opportunities that we might have along the way. And so therefore, we must be prepared. You never know when you stop off in a place that you might have an opportunity. You never know when the, a, a chance just comes across your path and you realize, here's a chance for me to tell somebody about the gospel. Here's a chance where I could invite somebody to come to my church. I can see having this conversation that they're searching for something. They need something. Hey, let me give you this invitation. And one of the things that soul winners do when they go out soul winning, or even when they're not purposefully going out soul winning, is that they are prepared. If you're going to go fishing, you've got to have your equipment. You've got to have your fishing pole. You've got to have your line. You've got to have your bait or whatever, all the different things that you need in order to go out fishing. If you're going to catch something, you need to have that. Well, the same is true for us as soul winners. We've got to be ready. There's a couple ways that we as soul winners can and should be ready and prepared. One, we should know our Bibles. Okay. One of the reasons why we have continual regular church services and we encourage you to read your Bible on a regular basis is so that you will be prepared for the conversation that you're going to have out as a soul winner. Another thing that you could do is take some invitations with you. Have some church tracks, have something in your hands with you ready and available so that, oh, you know what? Here's somebody I can see that they need something. We're having this conversation. I want to invite them to my church. Have it ready with you. I have invitations in my car. I have invitations. My wife carries invitations with her. When I have, you know, these Bibles that I have that I carry around, I stick invitations in there. Whenever I go out, I go, you know, and I'm meeting somebody or I go to some uh, uh, pastor's meeting or anywhere, I carry invitations there in my Bible. I have invitations in my wallet uh, on the back table 
we have these business card size invitations and I made them because I was always frustrated that as a guy, I'm not carrying a purse around, okay? All right, I don't have a bag that I'm carrying around with me, all right? Where am I supposed to carry these invitations? Now, I've tried sticking invitations in my pocket, but you know what happens when you stick things in your pocket, right? It picks up the lint, the corners get bent, you know, everything, and my face is on that invitation, okay? All right, I gotta be careful, so I, I wanna make sure it looks good. So, you know, I can't stick it in my pocket. What am I gonna do with this? I'm not gonna carry it in my hand everywhere, you know? And uh, so what do I do? Well, I thought, you know what? I got a wallet with me everywhere. I'm gonna stick a couple of these there uh, in my wallet. And so one of the aspects I believe of being a soul winner is being prepared. Even if you don't have an invitation with you, just having that mentality of, you know what, here's an opportunity. You know, the way that it is now, you could simply, you know, show somebody, you know, our church website. Just say, hey, pull out your phone, pull, out your, pull up your web browser, let me give you our church website, and then you can have it on your phone, and when you get the chance, you could come and visit our church. Be prepared. Soul winning also means being persistent. It means having this right attitude regarding soul winning. In verse number six, the Bible says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, notice these next two words, being wearied with his journey. So we know that Jesus is about to get into a soul-winning encounter, but you have to remember that Jesus by this time is tired, okay? So we don't know exactly how long Jesus would have been traveling by this time, but it's about noon. So you can imagine maybe he's been traveling for a couple of hours. He's been traveling for maybe three, four, maybe even five hours, right? Let's say they get up at dawn, they get their things ready, they're out the door by, I don't know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, right? So they get out and they're moving upwards towards, uh, through Samaria. Not only that, it might not be day one, it might be day two by the time that they're going through this journey. So he might have been traveling all day yesterday and now he's into day two. Now, I don't know about you, okay? I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not a huge runner, okay? But, you know, for those of us, if you go out and you start walking, and you start running, or you start, you start doing anything, you get tired after a little while, right? You start, even if you're just walking, after a while, you get tired, right? You're looking for places to sit down, right? You're looking for park benches, <laughs> right? Imagine four hours of walking, you're tired. After four hours, guess what you're looking for? You're looking for a drink of water. After four hours, you're looking for, where's the closest in and out? After four hours, you're looking at, all right, I, I want to sit down. You're tired. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You, you, you're thinking about, I, I just need some physical refreshment here at this time. Jesus is going through the same physical, I'm tired, that you and I would go through. Sometimes being a soul winner means I'm going to be ready even when I'm tired, even when I don't feel like it, even when you're at the end of a long day. And sometimes you can get caught of like, you know, I'm just ready to get home, but uh, there's an opportunity, but you know, I'm just really tired. Well, Jesus here was tired, but still he said, here's my chance. Here's my opportunity to witness to this woman that we're gonna get introduced to in just a few moments. So Jesus was a soul winner. In being a soul winner, we see that Jesus planned out his course. I'm here in Judea, I'm going to Galilee, but I must needs go through Samaria because there's somebody here that I need to witness to. Secondly, what we see is that Jesus pioneered his conversations. Soul winning means having conversations. It means talking to somebody. It means transferring words to the other individual. We've got to do that. Romans chapter 10, verse number 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? All right, when we're talking about the word preacher here, we're not just talking about somebody who stands up in a pulpit on a Sunday morning or in a church service and preaches the word. We're talking about somebody who's a believer who has the opportunity to share with somebody else the gospel. So if we're going to be soul winners, like Jesus was a soul winner, we've got to have conversations. We've got to speak to people. And we notice that Jesus did not wait for the conversation to come to him. 
he initiated the conversation with the other person. He initiated that conversation with the other person. So we're going to see how Jesus initiated this conversation, how Jesus uh, uh, talked as a soul winner. First of all, we see that Jesus talked to a Samaritan. Verse number seven, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. If you jump down to verse number 27, when his disciples return after this whole conversation, the Bible says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled. His disciples marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? So Jesus here makes a simple request, give me something to drink. To us, very simple request perhaps, but in that day and age, it would have been a breach of social customs and cultures. So just reading, uh, uh, you know, doing a little study, Men, this sounds a little bit odd, but this was the culture in the day and age. Men did not speak with women in public, not even their wives. Okay, that is a little bit strange to me, but that was the culture in which they lived, that the men would not talk in public to women, even their own wives. Especially would a rabbi not talk to somebody who was considered immoral, as we're going to see the kind of lifestyle that she lived. We know that that was one of the, the complaints that the Pharisees had against Jesus. Oh, you're sitting with publicans and sinners, and you're going into their house, and you're eating their food, and, and you're with them. That was one of the charges laid against Jesus. Well, that, that would have been in line with the culture in the day and age. And so we know that, okay, all right, men typically did not talk to women in public. Not only that, a Jewish individual would not talk to a Samaritan. There was a long cultural battle, if you will, between these two individuals. So the history, if you're not aware, of the Samaritans was that back in the Old Testament, you had the nation of Israel, right? You had King Saul, you had King David, you had King Solomon. After Solomon was his son, Rehoboam, he made some foolish mistakes. God divided the kingdom. So you have the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes. And so you have Judah and Israel. And so David's descendants were kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. And Jeroboam and a bunch of other kings were kings of the northern kingdoms over time. Over time, that northern kingdom lived in sin continually, year after year, decade after decade, many, many years. So God took them from their land. And so some of them were taken captive away. It, it, during that time as well, they would have had foreigners who were moved into that land. So they would have had foreigners coming into that land of Israel and also some of the Israelites would have been taken captive and taken away. We know about the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? This is the kind of situation that a foreign country had come in, conquered the land, took the best of the people, and took them back home to serve them, okay? So this was a similar situation. Well, as time progressed, the Jewish people and the, 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 the foreigners, okay, the Gentiles, they began to marry together. They began to marry together contrary to God's word. Not only that, they brought in some idolatry. So they brought in some idolatry. So they're kind of serving false gods, but they're also including a place for Jehovah God. And so they, they kind of have this kind of unique culture that's beginning to build. And so over the course of time, this began to be a problem where you would have like Ezra came in and rebuilt the temple and there were some people who wanted to participate but because of uh, some people didn't have records of whether they were really Levites and part of the priestly tribe, you had all of these situations, they were not able to participate. Because they were not able to participate, they said, oh, you're not going to let us join your team, we're going to create our own team. And so instead of worshiping there at the temple, they had their own place of worship and they had their own way of doing things. And over the centuries of time, 
that animosity just began to build and build and build and build. So much so that by the time of Jesus, those that were Jewish wouldn't even talk to them. And those that were Samaritans would not even talk back in return. They had nothing to do with each other, so much so that some people developed the custom of, I'm not even going through Samaria, I'm going around them. I'm not even going to touch their wells, I'm not going to touch their water, I'm not going to touch their food, I'm not going to do any of those things. So you can imagine the cultural pressures that would have prevented somebody Jewish from talking to this Samaritan woman. Yet, Jesus talked to her anyway. Now, I don't know about you, but my flesh can come up with all sorts of reasons why I don't have to talk to that person. My flesh can come up with all sorts of different reasons why I don't need to initiate this conversation of soul winning. Well, I, I'm really busy, I got some things to do, and I, I, I got to be here, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. I, I, my flesh can come up with reasons, well, you know, you could talk to that person, but he's not going to listen to you. Come on, he's not going to listen, he's not going to pay attention. People in this area, they're not really concerned with God or things like that. You know, we got the whole COVID thing. People are scared because of COVID. They don't want to talk to anybody. My flesh and your flesh, all of our flesh, can come up with lots of different reasons why we can't go out so winning, but God gives us better reasons why we should. All right? God gives us better reasons why we should initiate these conversations. Because the Spirit's power gives us reasons to go win souls. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. See, God said, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit's power. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come carrying power with him. Why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a number of different reasons. One of them is so that we can go soul winning. That's why. Eternal reward also gives us a reason to go win souls. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. See, God has told us we should lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Amen? Now, what does that mean? All right, that means it could mean a number of different things. One of them, though, is we know that all of our money, all of our possessions, all of our titles, all of our successes, they stay here on earth. We don't take them with us. So what that means, therefore, is you can have success here on this earth, you can have money here on this earth, you can have position and title here on this earth, but you're not taking them with you. You get to enjoy them for a short period of time, but then you leave them behind, and God says, don't live for those things that you have to leave behind. Live for those things that will be with you for all of eternity. One thing that we know for sure is that once a soul gets saved, they are always saved. One of the things that we know is once somebody becomes a child of God, they are always a child of God. And when they become a child of God, they have a home prepared for them in heaven. And we can take with us the souls of men, if you want to think of it that way. We can lead somebody to the Lord. If they get saved, we can know that that is an eternity that has been changed forever. God's wisdom also gives us reason to win souls. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise. I want to be wise. I don't want to be foolish. You know what the Bible says? You want to be wise? Go out and win some souls. He that wins souls is wise. The world may give us all sorts of reasons why we cannot or should not win souls, but God tells us, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? That's why we call it soul winning. I know I'm not winning souls. We know that Jesus is the only one who can save souls, but we must go out soul winning. We also know that Jesus talked about spiritual matters. So we saw that Jesus was sitting there at the well. The woman came and Jesus said, give me a drink of water. I want something to drink. And the Samaritan woman responded, why are you a Jewish man talking to me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We, we, we have no contact, no relationship together. 
Now, in response to that conversation, Jesus says in verse number 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So in Jesus uh, uh, having this conversation, we know, first of all, that he initiates this conversation with the Samaritan. Not only that, he initiates a conversation about spiritual matters. He begins to talk about spiritual things. Verse number 11, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank therein himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But, whos, uh, uh, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So we see that Jesus initiates this spiritual conversation. Isn't it interesting how that we can talk about anything and everything as long as it isn't about God. Have you noticed that? When you just go out and you talk to random strangers, you talk to your friends, you talk to your family, you talk to your coworkers, you talk to people, you can talk about anything. You can talk about the weather. Wow, isn't it, hasn't it been really hot these last couple of days? Isn't it strange? We're in February. We're like spoiled. It's like summer weather. We're wearing shorts and t-shirts as we go out, you know? And we can talk about that. You just, you know, you're just sitting there in line, you know, talking to somebody. And you're like, wow, it's really hot. You know, I went to Ikea and, you know, I had to return something. And, you know, I was like, wow, it's, you know, it's really hot today. And it's just like, yeah, you know, it's got a fan and everything. You can talk to them about that. There's a Super Bowl going on today. You can talk about the Super Bowl. You can talk about sports. You can talk about the latest news. Have you heard about what's happening over here and over there? You can talk about movies or music. You can talk about social media. You can talk about anything. But the moment you bring up the Bible, it seems like the conversation might stop right there. It feels like, oh, you know what? Maybe the Bible is something that we shouldn't talk about. We can talk about sports. We can talk about social media. We can talk about news. We can talk about the weather. But we shouldn't talk about spiritual matters. And it can be hard in terms of receiving some of that pressure from society and culture around us. But you'll notice that Jesus is no ordinary individual. Jesus is God, the soul winner. And what Jesus being God, the soul winner, did was he brought up spiritual matters. He brought it to their attention because surely this woman isn't going to bring it up, is she? Right? This Samaritan woman definitely isn't going to bring up spiritual matters. The other Samaritans, they're not going to bring up spiritual matters. The disciples, as we could see, based on their response later, they weren't going to bring up spiritual matters. So somebody's going to bring up spiritual matters. You know who has to do it? The soul winner does. The soul winner has to bring up spiritual matters. The soul winner is who brought up the, the, the spiritual matter here. Jesus brought up spiritual matters. He drew her attention from where she was to what he wanted to talk to her about, which was spiritual things. Not only that, we see that Jesus talked about sin. Verse number 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. What he's saying is, Go bring your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says, technically you're correct. But you've had five husbands in the past, and, but you're living with somebody that you're not married to, so technically you're correct. You don't have a husband. What is Jesus doing here? What Jesus is doing is drawing out sin. Because we're talking about being a soul winner, right? If we're going to be talking about being a soul winner, we're talking about giving to other people the opportunity to be saved. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful word? Saved. I can say that I'm saved. If you trust in Christ as your Savior, you can say that you're saved. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? Isn't that a phrase that gives you great hope? That gives you great security? I'm saved. I'm not hoping to be saved. I am saved. Jesus saved me. The question, though, is saved from what? 
What are we saved from? The Bible says that we are saved from sin. So if somebody's going to be saved, they have to know what they're being saved from. And Jesus, being the soul winner, says, if I'm going to save them, they've got to know that they've got sin. They have to acknowledge their sin. They've got to confess their sin. They've got to repent of their sin. They've got to go to God and say, God, I've offended you. I have broken the law that you have given. I have gone my own way. All my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. God, I know that I need to be saved. We need to acknowledge, if we're going to be saved, that we are sinners. There has to come that acknowledgement. So if the other person needs to acknowledge that at some point in the conversation, it doesn't have to be right away. It doesn't have to be the first thing that you say. Hey, how's it going today? Did you know that you're a sinner? <laughs> right? Maybe not the great way to start off a conversation. But somewhere along the way, if you're going to see them to be saved, sin has to be a part of that conversation. You see that Jesus brings it up. Which brings us to then what Jesus really wants to talk about, which is salvation. Verse number 19. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. She says, Ah, you seem to be a prophet. You seem to be somebody who's a spokesman of God. Well, let me ask you this question. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but you, Jewish people, you say that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. Where are we supposed to worship? Verse 21, And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is his spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So Jesus initiates this conversation, beginning talking about a drink of water. It crosses over these cultural boundaries. He introduces spiritual matters into the conversation. He confronts her with her sin, and it ends with talking about the Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is what being a soul winner is all about. Being a soul winner means we're excited to talk about something. And you know what soul winners are excited to talk about? They're excited to talk about Jesus. They're excited to talk about their Savior. They're excited to talk about the one who saved them. That's what being a soul winner is all about. They love talking about the, the Savior. They love talking about Jesus. They love talking about the one who saved their souls. See, soul winners are excited about heaven. They're excited about taking others to heaven with them. They're excited about being there. They're excited about telling others how they can also go there. Not every conversation will be about Jesus. Not every conversation will always end up, at the end of it, having an opportunity to share the gospel. But being a soul winner comes with the beginning point of, I want to talk about Jesus with somebody today. Now that means, all right, how is that going to happen? If they're going to be introduced to Jesus, they've got to acknowledge their sin. If they're going to acknowledge their sin, they've got to be thinking about spiritual things. If they're going to be talking about spiritual things, I've got to talk to them in the first place. And so that's the progression that a soul winner thinks about. He's like, I want to talk to this person about Jesus. I got to get to them to know how they could be saved. How am I going to get there? Well, first of all, I've got to start a conversation with them somehow about something. Maybe it's about the Super Bowl. Jesus talked to this lady about getting a drink of water. Then he drew her over to spiritual matters, then addressed sin so that he could introduce her to the Savior. That was the progression. That was the conversation that Jesus, the soul winner, had. And it gives a good plan and layout for us as well in having conversations if we desire to be soul winners as well. Thirdly and lastly, what we see is that Jesus prioritized his calendar. In verse number 31, in the meantime, in the meantime, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat, but he say, has said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. 
Therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to meet, uh, uh, ought to eat? So here's the situation. This Samaritan woman runs back into the city. At that time, the disciples come out and give him some meat. They give him some food. Hey, you're hungry, you're tired, you're thirsty, have something to eat. And Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He said, I had something to eat that you didn't know about, okay? Now, you could understand the disciples' confusion a little bit. Did he have some snacks in his inner coat that he brought that he wasn't telling us about? You know, what, what is he talking about? Or did somebody give him food while we were gone? Like, I, I don't understand. Hath any man brought him to eat? Of course, Jesus knows the necessity of physical food. But Jesus also knows the necessity of spiritual food. Remember in Matthew chapter number four, Jesus said right, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What Jesus is talking about is spiritual things. And Jesus explains what he means. Verse 34. And Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus is trying to draw another point out for us to learn as soul winners, which is this. Jesus, the soul winner, felt that soul winning was urgent. Jesus chose and decided, out of all of the different things that I could be doing, the thing that I need to do right now is I need to win somebody to be saved. I got to show them that they are a sinner, that they need to be saved. That was Jesus' priority. What was urgent to Jesus was soul winning. Can I ask you this morning, what's urgent in your life? What's that thing that you're saying, I have to do it this week. I have to get something done in the next couple of weeks. I have to accomplish this this year. I have to get into a certain college. I have to get a certain grade. I have to finish this work project. I have to worry about what my kid's going to do through school or whatever. Uh, you have all of these things. Can I ask you this question? Is soul winning a priority in your life? Is soul winning urgent? Is that something that we've got to think about and say, you know what, I, I have to do something. I have to share the gospel with somebody this week or this uh, month or this year. What Jesus thought was urgent was there's a harvest field ready to be harvested and I got to get out there right now. And my disciples need to get out there right now. And I believe that what Jesus is telling us is the same thing as well. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Harvest time, soul winning time is right now. It's right now. Okay, I know that we all got different things and different priorities in our life, right? We, we got some, you know, teenagers here, some, some students here. Let me, let me encourage you. Spiritual matters are not for when you grow up and you get older. They're for right now. Amen? Amen? Soul winning is right now. All right? It could be with your friends, could be with your neighbors, could be with family members, could be with relatives, could be with anybody, could be with somebody you meet uh, on social media. I don't really do that, I, but I've heard that people meet other people on social media and playing video games and stuff. You know, it might feel strange, but you got to win somebody. You got to share the gospel with somebody. You might have a unique opportunity. You, don't ever, you never know that. If you're a college student, boy, what a great opportunity. You're meeting people from all over the place that have been transplanted from where they were to now where they are, and they're looking for something. They're looking for friends. They're looking for relationships. What a great opportunity. What about when we're, you know, out working? You have new coworkers. You have new opportunities with your neighbors and things like that. And I know it can be frustrating. I've been inviting my neighbors for years, you know. And I've been, I invite them and I say, hey, we got Easter coming up. We got Christmas coming up. Hey, you should come to church and tell them, you know, we got live streaming. You know, you can watch. And, you know, I've been telling these things. And I, I know sometimes you sow and 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 nothing's growing, right? And you're like, well, it's not growing, but all right, I'll just keep sowing. And, you know, you sow over here, you sow over there. And, and I believe that it's important for us to at least have that priority of it's urgent to Jesus, so it should be urgent to us. 
We also see that Jesus thought it was urgent regarding heavenly fruit. Verse number 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. Soul winning is about making a difference for all of eternity. Soul winning is about changing the destiny of somebody forever. And that makes it urgent. That makes it a priority. That makes it, all right, I, I, I have to share with somebody. Maybe it's, you don't get to see this person for another couple of weeks. Maybe it's not going to be every person every single day. You're just going to do it every single day. But every single week, we should have the idea of, you know what, I want to at least do something. I want to share the gospel with somebody. We have a program every single Saturday morning where we go out and we pass out invitations. Okay? We pass out invitations so that our church members have the opportunity to try to tell somebody. Maybe you go out and you don't get to talk to anybody, but at least you try. At least you said, I, I made an effort. At least you left an invitation on somebody's door that you never know. They might look at the invitation. They might read the gospel. They might check out our church website. They might show up at church. There's an opportunity for us to make a difference for all of eternity, but also there was a harmonious fulfillment. He that, verse 36, he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Another reason why we go soul winning is because we may sow the seed, but we may never reap it. But even if we don't reap it, somebody else will. Somebody else will get that opportunity. Somebody else will get the chance to lead them to the Lord. We sow the seed. Maybe you invite your friend to church. You're talking about spiritual matters. You, you go out and you do all these different things. And you, you, try to, and, and you might feel like, well, I've been sowing the seed, so and so and so, and nothing happened. Well, what happened with the disciples is they just walked into a field that was ready to be harvested. They didn't do anything. They just walked in and it was ready. People were ready to trust in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior. They just showed up. Who did all of that sowing? Not the disciples. Somebody else before had sown the seed and it was sitting there ready for that moment when the disciples showed up, really when Jesus showed up and they were ready to reap in that harvest field. So one of the other reasons why we go soul winning is because when we sow, somebody will reap. It might be me, it might be somebody else, but if we sow, somebody else will reap. Not only that, we go soul winning because you never know who else has already done the sowing and we just got to come in ready to reap. You never know. I, I, I think about the story of uh, when, when I was in Seattle, we went to you know, the church that we went over there, the pastor there. He had this story about going soul winning. And uh, he went out with a partner of his, and, and they would go door to door. They would go, go door to door. They would knock on the door. Hi, my name is, you know, his name is Rich. Uh, so my name is Rich, and, you know, go through and explain, you know, we're here to talk about the, you know, the church and like to invite you and share the gospel. And they would do this. Th this was their custom. They would go every other door. I knock on this door. My partner knocks on the next door. And I, walk, uh, I knock on the next door, and they would go every other. They would leapfrog all the way down, okay? As they were going down, they could see down, down there, you know, couple, you know, number of doors down, on the porch was a guy sitting on the porch, huge guy, just wearing a tank top, really rough looking guy, you know, and he's looking over there, oh, that guy looks scary. And so in his mind, he's doing the mental calculation. Me, him, me, him, me, him, me. Oh no. So what do you do? Hey, you know, last door, I didn't get to talk to somebody. How about I just do two in a row, brother? Wouldn't that be great? And he's like, no, 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 we're going to stick with our custom, right? So they go every other. He shows up at the, at the guy's porch. He's standing there. The guy's sitting on the porch on the stairs. He's just standing there, him and his partner there on the sidewalk, looking at him. And he says, hi, my name is Rich. He talks to him. Doesn't say anything. So he just keeps going. He just keeps going and going and going and going, sharing the gospel, sharing the whole thing, just everything. All of the verses the Romans wrote goes through the whole thing. And the guy didn't say anything. He just sat there. And at the end, he just looked at him. And the guy looked back and he said, you know, you know, my sister's been telling me the same thing for the last 
like 14 or 20 years. She's been telling me about salvation. She's been telling me about Jesus. And he got saved that day. You know, it's incredible. That sister sowed the seed for decades to her brother, and she didn't get to reap it. But this preacher just going door to door, showed up at his door, and he was ready. He just reaped in that harvest field. One of the reasons why we go soul winning is you never know if you're the sister sowing the seed or if you're the guy going door knocking ready to reap in the harvest. We go soul winning because we get to work together as a team. We get to work together as a team. I want to conclude, and we're going to see how this whole story situation unfolds. In verse number 28, the Bible says, A woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Verse number 43. Now, after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. Jesus was in Sychar in Samaria for two days. Why was he there for two days? Because this woman went into the city, said what she said, and in verse number 39, the Bible says that many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You never know when that one individual that you're able to lead to the Lord will lead many others to the Lord as well. And where does it start? It starts with the soul winner. It starts with us. The theme for our church is more like Jesus. We know that Jesus was a soul winner. How can I be a soul winner? Jesus said it. Follow me, and I will make you to be fishers of men.